Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Tonight, Gail and I are going to be reporting on probably our, I don't know, ninth or 10th BEA. Yep. So you said you started blogging when? I started blogging in 2006, and I didn't go to BEA right away. Probably I didn't go till maybe 2008. And I know I missed a year when my son was born. But I think... I think you and I have gone almost every year. You've probably started in 2008 or 9 as well, right? I think so. I mean, I feel I started my blog in 2008. So the first one I must have gone to was in 2009. I wouldn't have gone in 2008 because I started in May. And, you know, that's when Book Expo usually is. So I wouldn't have known anything about it by that point, but definitely by 2009. So... Um, I don't know. I think I may have missed one just even though I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I think I've, I think I've gone every year because they're usually in New York. So it's just sort of whether I attend the whole thing or not, I usually do pop in. Right. Now we, you and I went to at least one in Chicago. Have we gone to more than one or just that? Was that the only time we flew? That's the only time. Okay. So what's interesting about Book Expo is that when you Dude, and I, it's been 10 years. I know. That's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. When you and I started going, it was very uh, new and novel for them to have bloggers there as media. In fact, the first year that I went, I paid for it because I didn't even know – it didn't dawn on me that I could try to get a media pass. And then we started getting media passes through our blogs. And then Book Expo cracked down on – bloggers going to book expo as media and i do feel that the tenor of bea has changed some in that i don't see that many bloggers there and i don't see kind of non-traditional media or non you know established digital or print brands there the way i used to do you notice that too i think i think that's right I think that, well, for a while there was Book Blogger Con, the Book Blogger Convention that they were sort of running parallel to BEA. And I think they still sort of do some version of that. I know a couple of years ago I was on a panel for that, or did I moderate the panel? I was on a panel for that. Oh, my God, Nicole, you basically started that conference. Yeah, (laughs) way back when. Way back when. But I think... You know, and I'm not even sure if they did any kind of book blogger conference or any kind of conference. I think they did it last year. But I just feel like the book blogosphere is not what it used to be. Like, as you said over last week, that it's it's morphing to Instagram. And it's not this kind of long form reviews that we all used to do. And some of us still do. Um, but I don't know. It just – it. I feel like... Well, I mean, I think some of it is that there are just so many blogs. But are people still reading blogs? I think people read blogs. I think people always read blogs. I think that's what they... I mean, people... I think people drive traffic to blogs in a different way. 
but I think it's people will always have a some sort of blog or more formal website presence. You know, usually even if people have bookstagrams, they build to that. It yeah. turns into that just mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, it's something that you control. Yeah. Well, at any rate, Book Expo over the years has shrunk. It's not, it doesn't take up as much floor space in the Javits Center as it used to. It used there to was an, a, actually another convention there, which yeah, was shocking. Shocking. For many years, Nicole and I used to lug our books downstairs to attendee shipping, but now they just cordon off a side of the main floor for attendee shipping, which is more convenient, but it's a little bit sad because it's just another sign of the contraction of the floor space. Um, but we still managed to pick up a lot of books and, uh, you know, it, it, the lines maybe aren't as long as they used to be. And I, I think one thing I also noticed this year is even compared just to last year, I felt like the sort of star wattage power for the authors there was a little weaker. Like you didn't have some of the big, big names, um, you know, last year Hillary Clinton was there. Do you think that's more of a function of the fact that of what books are coming out this year? It could be. Like maybe. maybe there's just really not that many huge names. I mean, could be. I mean, I think there, you know, there could be any number of explanations. You know, right? You said what's on the calendar. I, I mean, there was no way they were going to have Michelle Obama tooling around Book no. Expo. Although they did have a massive picture of her. Who's her publisher? Is that Random House? Probably. <laughs> I don't remember who it was. There was a big sign touting her book coming out with her cover. I can never keep them straight. So I don't know. I it just today, I mean, maybe every year we say the same thing, like, oh, it doesn't seem quite as big as last year. But I, I definitely noticed it more this year than I think even last year. Last year, there were a lot of people I was really excited to see and had walked in with a list and people I just, you know, books I did not want to leave New York without having obtained. And this year, I felt a lot more indifferent, not indifferent. I just didn't see stuff that I was like, I need to get that. That said, I have two huge boxes of books. You have one huge box of books and a few bags of books. Yeah. It probably comes out to about two boxes. I think we're over the two days, what I managed to take home and then ship home. Right. We probably even out. Yeah. Even though the, there's a new Tana French that's coming out a little bit later on in this year. I know you haven't read her. But I know you like her. I do. I do. Okay. okay so, but based on the books that were here in our little pre-show chat, you were saying some interesting things about the state of, I guess, where the book industry's head is and what some of the authors are putting out. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Well, I was noticing that there are a lot of books about race. A lot of books about growing up black, a lot of books about being white. Um, there's books about being poor, books about living in the Midwest, Appalachia, sort of the hillbilly eligible, ele, excuse me, hillbilly elegy type books. Also books about opioids, books about being poor. Um, it just felt to me that, you know, as a country, we're obviously facing some major social issues and major um, problems in our society. And it seemed like authors are tackling those Um, fiction and nonfiction, not just, you know, not just essays or whatever, but even in fiction. So I, so I, I think that, 
you know, publishers, authors are tackling tough issues. I think audiences seem to be receptive to those types of books. There seem to be less frivolity, less books about rich people, less books about rich families with inheritance issues. Although I think we saw a few of those, but I don't know. Everything seemed grimmer and darker and more realistic than maybe in prior years. And to, I mean, I have to point out that we sort of self-select for those kinds of things because we, it's not like we were in, in certain lines. True. That might've provided lighter fare. That's true. We weren't exactly seeking out romance or lots of fantasy and stuff like that. I did get one sparkly vampire book, though, so. <laughs> Wouldn't be BEA if you hadn't. Um, but we did, uh, we, <laughs> I did stand in line and get Miriam Parker's book, The Shortest Way Home, signed. So that's nice and light and sweet in all the grimness. Yes. Yeah. You're right. We do self-select for more serious stuff, I think. But, uh. Anyway, I just that was just. But there were, but there was a there was a wealth. I mean, I think even among what we go after, because I mean, I think we read the rich people books and the domestic fiction books, and but there there were just so many more. You know, I I feel like we're at a point where culture that is trying to understand what's going on within our country and trying to understand all the components of our country. Um, so that, so there are so many more books like that. Absolutely. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think if you're looking to understand the world that's going on around you and how it's changing and how, you know, um, people who are different from yourself, I think it, you know, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful time to have books that reflect the diversity of the culture. I think that we're making steps towards, getting there because you know the united states is a very diverse culture and for a lot of the time you would never know that from its literature mm-hmm. definitely true um all right so the first book that i was really excited to get that i did get is called the dreamers and it's by karen thompson walker so she wrote a book i read a couple years ago called the age of miracles which i really really liked uh it's a dystopian book, which is really unlike me, but it was a great book. It was about the impact on the earth of the earth's rotation slowing down so that days get longer and nights get longer. And there's all these gazillions of changes that happen due to the, the changing rotation. So she has a new book out. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure what it is about. So this is about, The Dreamers is about a phenomenon where people are falling asleep and then they can't be woken up. And so it's this quarantine of this phenomenon of people sleeping and what happens to them while asleep. They're dreaming and they have these extraordinary dreams. And so it's just another one of her kind of, you know, slightly realistic, futuristic, sort of dystopian-esque novel, which, and I asked one of the publicists, I said, is this as good as her last one? And she said, yes. So I'm very excited to read this. So this would probably be my top choice coming out of BEA this year. All right. How about you? Okay. So basically to prove your point about, um, books being about race, books being about 
Middle America, Appalachia, a whole bunch of different things, is Ohio by Stephen Markley. It's set in the summer of um, 2013. It's about four classmates who return back to their home in the Rust Belt where they grew up. And it says that they're haunted by regrets, secrets, and lost love. So it seems to be about the conversions of a bunch of these things that we are talking about. And um, each of these different, each of these four people are different, dealing with different things. Um, one is a doctoral candidate, reluctantly confronting, uh, reluctantly confronting the mother of a former lover, um, a shy veteran who's who has done three tours in Iraq and he's returned home. So it's just about a bunch of different people. It talks about foreclosures that are going on, racial hostility. So a lot of the things that we're hearing about in the news and that we're confronting is very much part of this novel to your point. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm interested to read. That novel seems very much of the moment. Yes. Yeah. I was at the buzz the editor's buzz panel on Wednesday. And this was one of the six books selected for that. And the editor who was presenting it was saying that it was definitely like a very topical book. Yeah. It says it ingeniously captures the fractured zeitgeist of a nation through the view of an embattled Midwestern town and offers a prescient vision for America at the dawn of a turbulent new age. Yeah. So, that's like the perfect example of what we were talking about. And this was this one was actually one on my list that I wanted to get if I could. So, some of the notes I took from the um, editor's buzz was this is a novel that reads like a Springsteen song, which I thought was a great quote. Uh, the author did a ton of research. He wrote, I guess, what you were talking about that graduate student that 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 student is writing a dissertation and. The editor said that the author actually like basically wrote the character's dissertation. Like that's how into the into the guy's head he wanted to get. Has a breathtaking finish. So the last forty pages is unlike anything they've ever seen. Northeast Ohio. I'm just reading through these notes. Um, tackles opiates, uh, the recession, no jobs, immigration issues, President Obama. So So basically it sounds like either I will love this book and rave about, you know, how deeply it tackles the issues or I'll think it's overhyped. Yeah. I guess if you, it depends on if you read it before it comes out. Like if, I don't know. I mean, based on what you just said. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, breathtaking finish is the words. Breathtaking. The last 40 pages. Yeah. I guess the author was very affected by 9-11. He was 18 uh-huh. years old when 9-11 happened, and it really shaped him. I mean, as it did all of us, obviously. But Right. Yeah, that's a good pick. I'm excited to read that, too. I don't know how soon I'll read it. Right now, I'm being tempted by all of the sort of suspenseful domestic fiction uh-huh. um, thrillers. In fact, I finished a couple, so I'll talk about that in a little bit. Since BEA, you've finished a couple books? Since BA. My God. (laughs) My God. Um, Okay. So my second one is also from the adult editor's buzz panel on Wednesday. And this is called The Real Lolita, The Kidnapping of Sally Horner and the Novel That Scandalized the World. I knew that we were going to be talking about our 
you know, like our top picks and I knew this was going to be Gail's. Yes. I well, reached for it from the box and I was like, Gail's going to cover it. So I don't, yes. it's fine. Yes. Um, <laughs> this book is by Sarah Weinman. So one of the reasons, you know, I was going to pick this is because I love the book Lolita and, um, Lolita is based on a real life kidnapping of a young girl. I mean, I don't know how young she is. She's sort of a teenager. She was 11. Oh, 11. Okay. So younger than that even. And, um, this book is about that kidnapping and what happened and also about how Vladimir Nabokov wrote Lolita and based so much of it on this, but I don't think he ever said that he did. He didn't, he didn't give a lot of attention to this kidnapping. And I think that the author felt like, you know, this story needed to be told. So notes I took from the panel, genre blend, operating on many levels, lots of personal photos that this author is a tireless journalist who did tons and tons of research on the, the, what actually happened. Um, yeah. So apparently, apparently the author of this book reads a book every day. Sounds Hmm. like you. (laughs) (laughs) I've taken some time off. Well, still impressive. So, yeah, so I'm excited to read this. This book was, there were posters for this book all over Book Expo. They're obviously pulling out, you know, pulling out all the stops to promote this book. And it seems like it's going to be a big one. It comes out on 9-11 of this year. And uh, I'm excited for it. All right. So next up, my sparkly vampire book. Times Convert by Deborah Harkness. So Deborah Harkness wrote this trilogy called A Discovery of Witches. I think that there is a new book out that was, I don't know, just recently out that's just about the all souls world, which is where these vampire novels, vampire witch novels of hers are set. So it's basically, um, the first one was about a vampire and a witch hooking up, and, a, and this witch is studying at Oxford, and I don't know, they travel back in time to discover things about their history, and um, it's very difficult to blend vampire and um, and witch lines. So it was all about their relationship. Gail's eyes are glazing over. <laughs> it's not, well, you're right that it's probably not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so this one, this book is in that same world, so the vampire Matthew, who is in Discovery of Witches, I guess, um, knows he's the vampire and he knows this young surgeon from Massachusetts. It's set around the American Revolution. Um, the surgeon's name is Marcus Neal and he turns him into a vampire. And it's all about the difficulties he has in making that transition and being a vampire. And then I think it jumps into a more present daytime when he falls in love and tries to turn a woman into a vampire, someone turns into a vampire who is his love interest and the difficulties they have in being together. So this is my little break from, you know, reality, reality. The <laughs> I just want to worry about sparkly vampires and if they will be able to be together over the centuries. So, I mean, I like the way Deborah Harkness writes. She kind of straddles the line where it's 
um, it's interesting and fulfilling enough to hold my attention, but at the same time being about vampires. And I don't read too many books about vampires these days, but I was glad to see that she has another book coming out. So, That's And it's coming out September 18th. It's funny because it's a book I would never pick up in a million years. I don't know. We we have to do some kind of challenge where I get you to read something like this. <laughs> the vampire <laughs> challenge. <laughs> all right. So I had to break. I mean, because otherwise it was it was all going to be death and destruction. And yes, I don't know. And depressing. Depressing stuff, clearly. Um. the name of the Andre Debus book I'm trying to find it gone so long yes that's impressive okay okay so this is funny that this is on your list because I had to beg you to stay in line to get this I know this so this line was moving really slowly because Andre Debus the third was chit-chatting with uh everyone in line and taking pictures with them and asking them where they're from and asking them the origin of their name and as a result, we're, we're obviously not that kind of line person. We're no, just like, we're like, give us the book and let us get out of this line. <laughs> so it was taking forever. And I was like, maybe we should leave. But I had had this book on my list. And then I actually thought the, um, the premise was really interesting. So he wrote the house of sand and fog. So there was no way I was getting off this line. Yeah. So the premise of this book is that there's a guy who has been in jail for killing his daughter's mother and he gets out of jail and he's dying and he wants to see his daughter. So it's all about the relationship, I guess, between the father and the daughter and her life and his life. And she has, you know, not wanted to see him. And now that he's dying, she has to decide if she wants to try to, you know, have some sort of a relationship with him. Just sounds like a good premise. And I did really like the movie, The House of Sand and Fog. I don't think I read the book, but um, this definitely looks promising. So that is the third book that I'm most excited about from our BEA hall. Oh, my gosh. The House of Sand and Fog, I read that. It was such – I don't even know if the movie did it justice. It was such a tense book. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those books that treated both sides of the subject matter so well, you know, like yep. you just understood everyone's point of view so much. And it was just such a heartbreaker. Yep. And this is his first novel in 10 years. So like I said, I was glued to the line. Gail had not read The House of Sand and Fog, so she was a little bit more willing to range away. But I, I brought her around. <laughs> <laughs> And I thank you for that. So so you have one more to go, right? I have one more to go. And this one is, I couldn't resist, the library book by Susan Orlean. Nice. She is, I don't know, she writes really good nonfiction about like just a range of different topics, all of which escape me now. I've read The Orchid Thief. I just really love her writing. Yeah. Um, so this one she wrote about, um, a fire that takes place in the Los Angeles public library in 1986. It was disastrous. It reached 2000 degrees. It burned for more than seven hours 
and it destroyed 400,000 books and and damaged 700,000 more. So this was a huge library. Wow. Crazy. So she investigates, she wants to investigate whether someone set fire to the library on purpose, and if so, who. So it's just all about her delving into arson, what it's like to burn a book, delving into this mystery of what happened to this library, and just, you know, the love of libraries and books. I mean... She's a great writer. Um, I read this book. I bought my first Susan Orlean book years ago called Saturday Night. Did you ever hear of this book? Mm-mm. And she just basically like sort of goes to these different parts of the world, different parts of the country and says, what are people doing on a Saturday night? So like one of them was college parties in Boston and one of them was like a rodeo in Texas. And she just in her like amazing sort of journalistic style tells these stories, these sort of small stories of what's happening in these different cities and different towns. And it was just, it was just fascinating. I, I love her. I love her writing. And I like, I just, I love her range because she always writes such totally different things. I mean, the orchid thief was such an interesting story. And then there's this one and I'm, I'm like you, I'm forgetting some of the ones that came in between, but she's pretty amazing. And the orchid thief was made into adaptation. I didn't realize that. I don't think I realized that those movies, the movie, the, that movie and that book were connected. Oh, yeah. The Orchid Thief is the same as Adaptation, isn't it? I didn't see Adaptation, I don't think. Oh, yeah. Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, no, not Nicolas Cage. It was Chris Cooper. It was Chris Cooper. Oh, he's a great actor. Okay, so, and the library book comes out October 16th. So... I don't know. Gail, you said that you had finished some books on the just to hop into what we have been reading. Yes. So you finished a book up on the train home from BEA, correct? I did. Yes. So I read a book called The Gunners by Rebecca Kaufman. And um, that's a new book that's just recently out. And it is about six kids who were friends going growing up like middle school on or maybe even younger than that they were very good friends living in buffalo and then by the end of high school one of them has kind of estranged herself from the rest of the group she's turned her back on her friends and for mysterious reasons has kind of gone to do her own thing and has left them behind And then many years later, she kills herself. And the remaining five friends, whoever are now dispersed across the country and not really as tight anymore, all reunite for her funeral. And these stories come out about her and them and why they each think that they had some role in her estrangement and some secrets come out and it's it's very good it's very good it's i like how it's written it's this kind of sad quiet lonely writing it's hard to describe um it's definitely a lot of sadness happening in this book um but it i i got involved with it and i wanted to finish it and it's a pretty quick read and it's got it's kind of a hot book right now and i really liked it so i read that for book club which i have this week so i'll get more other people's opinions of it this week, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. I know I had 
um, single that out as something that I wanted to read. Anything else? You were also reading The Queen of Hearts. Are you still reading that? I'm stuck in it and I don't like it. And I'm too far in to not finish it. And you know I don't like to DNF, although I did DNF another book earlier this month. Or I guess last Ooh. month. Yeah, I know. Which it's one was really that? Unlike me. Imagine Me Gone by Adam Hazlitt. Oh, okay. I did not like that. I made it about 50 pages in and I was like, this is not for me. Okay. Explain. Explain. Uh, it got weird and there was like... See, a- that's why I didn't want to read that book. Yeah. Yeah, it got weird. I, he's I, kind of disappearing, or he's got he's, depression. He's, he's ill. He's mentally ill. He's depressed, and then they have a son who's also depressed. But the problem is, that I was just getting to know the kids, and they were sort of growing up. And one of them starts telling these crazy stories, and I was just like, I am not enjoying this, and I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that one. Wow. On yeah. So the Queen of Hearts is kind of disappointing, and I just want to finish it so that I can move on and read something else that I really want to read. And I feel like it's I'm just never motivated to pick it back up again, and I should probably just stop and count my losses. But you know me. You're going to soldier on. Probably. How about um, you? What is, what's the premise of the Queen of Hearts? The Queen of Hearts is about these two women who got to be very close friends in medical school, and they're now both living in Charlotte, and they're both doctors. One's a cardiologist and one is a surgeon. I can't remember. They're two different types of doctors. And then this man from their past reappears. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. And he, one of them had had an affair with him. Not an affair. She dated him. I guess they were, neither of them was married. She dated him. He was a, a, also a doctor who was older and had more seniority and then apparently there was some big thing that happened and they keep referencing it over and over again this thing that happened this thing that happened and oh gosh i'm just like okay i know we're gonna find out what happened because now this guy has re-entered their lives and unsettled everything but it's just it's not i don't i, don't, I really don't like it very much I wish I so it. are you more than half you're like three quarters of the way through uh i haven't picked it up in a while i'm gonna say i'm like 60 <laughs> percent Oh. I know. I should just finish it. But I don't like it. So you know how that goes. Oh, just leave it gone. Start something else. You'll yeah. finish it. Just tell yourself you'll finish it. And it's a library book, so you know what the issue is. Uh-oh. Right uh-huh. Well, maybe it'll be due soon, and you'll sit down and knock it out. Right. How about you? All right. So I read two books, and they were both um, – one doesn't come out till September. It's called Lies by T.M. Logan. And it is sort of a little bit thrillery, a little bit, um, I guess it's a combination of domestic, domestic fiction, suspenseful domestic fiction. It is about this, um, it's about this family, this, basically it's about this husband, his name is Joe Lynch, and he is driving home from school with his son, and his son happens to spot his wife's car in a place that it should not be. I think it's like parked in the parking lot of a hotel as they are passing by on the interstate. And he decides to get off and investigate what his wife is doing there. And his life totally changes over the next week as a result of just this, um, I guess, mishap of a sighting. 
And of course, it's about, you know, how can he trust his wife? You know, these crazy situation that he finds himself in and who can he trust and what's really going on. So it was definitely a suspenseful read. Um, Once I picked it up, it was hard to put it down. You know, I don't even know if I intended to read this. I think it was just sort of like unpacking my box and just sort of taking mm-hmm. a read, you know, you, how you kind of scan the first few pages and see what's up. And I started reading it and then I finished it. So it was the right book at the right time. It's the right book at the right time. Um, so it's a little bit of popcorn, you know, it's definitely interesting and suspenseful when you read it. There's definitely those moments when you're just like, come on, Joe, wake up. But it was entertaining. Okay, that's in my box downstairs, so that's good to know. So, and it will, it'll come out September 11th. So, the other book that I read is called Baby Teeth. Um, it's out a little bit sooner. It's out sometime in July. So, July 17th is when it comes out. It's by Zoya Stage, and it is about this mother and daughter It's about this seven-year-old. So already I could have had issues with this book because half of the book is told from the point of view of a seven-year-old, a very precocious, a very precocious seven-year-old who does not speak. Um, So in the beginning, I just, you know, I, I go through my thing with my child narrators and she is precocious. So it's just like, how precocious would she really be? But this is such a harrowing story that you kind of settle into it. Mother and daughter are pitted against each other. Like the daughter basically wants to kill the mom and get her out of the way because she loves her dad and she does not like her mother. Oof. You know, and it's this mother who's basically at her wit's end. She had an unhappy She had an unhappy childhood, didn't really get along with her mother. She's suffering from Crohn's disease, which is, I guess, the remedies and the surgeries that she's undergone for that are described in sort of excruciating detail. She sort of got this clueless husband. So it is just one of the most harrowing books that I have read. And it was one of these books that I had to, a few times, peek a couple of pages ahead Mm -hmm. just to make sure that I could bear (laughs) what might be coming up in the next few pages. I mean, it was just that suspenseful, but I mean, I think that's just sort of the more, I don't know, flamboyant aspects of the book because at its heart, it is about this mother and if she's made the right, you know, do you make the right decision when you have a child how it affects a relationship. It's not, it's not a decision that you can take back. You know, once you've had a child, there's just no putting that back, you know? Right. And so it's just sort of her examining the choices that she's made, the relationship with her own mom, her life with her husband and what it was like before and what it's like after this child. So it's like lots of questions of motherhood. Sounds, it reminds me a little bit of Kevin. Yeah, just packaged in a way that's sort of really interesting and just very harrowing. So if that if, if that is your sort of, if you can take something that is suspenseful like that, then I would recommend it, um, you know, with the caveats that you are dealing with a child na- narrator or whatever. So I felt like some of that I, you know, 
it was compelling in spite of that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, it sounds intense. Very intense. Very intense. Well, I'm impressed you've read two books since BEA. I can't even get through Queen of Hearts. (laughs) Just think if you would just let it go. I know. Just think where you'd be. I know. You're right. I should do it for sure. So we'll be back soon. We'll have more BA book talk. Um, Gail, your second book box has not arrived. My box has arrived. I have to go through my box. So we will be going through our boxes and we'll let you know what else we have and what's coming out sort of soonish. And I'll probably be telling you about stuff that's coming out. Yes. Not so soonish because yeah. I can, can never resist reading whatever. Once I get my, my second box, I'll be able to go through and really like take a look at everything at once. I just haven't had a chance. To even I've barely even made it through box number one. Right. All right. Well, until yeah, next so time. Yeah, so we have lots more. Yeah, until next, until next time. Yeah, happy reading. Happy reading. Gail, get rid of that book. <laughs> so you can have some happy reading. Yes, exactly. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading. Keep reading.